on this episode of PL and PJ's Gallivanting Goals and a Chelsea City Clash. back to the only Premier League podcast with a dress code. The dress code is jammies. Woo! Now, Jake, I am unfortunately not wearing my typical velvet pajama bottoms tonight. Boo! It is difficult to bend over for me because I had an issue with my hamstring this oh, no. week playing in our recreational co-ed soccer league. That's that, oh, that's what happened. Yeah, and we did win. That's did. the important thing. Uh, so down to nine men slash women. Right. Uh, because I we yeah. had ten. In my an eleven v eleven, mind yeah, you, <laughs> made it nine, and they had fourteen. Uh, but we won. Yeah, huge, An incredible goal from Travis Merritt. Uh, clean sheet season, if you will. Oh yeah. Well, I was part of it. I was the part For of the sure. first half clean sheet. So feels great. Not feeling great personally right. because I don't have my jammies. Sad. But feeling great because we have some nice whiskey. We do. We have some nice accompanying drinks, and we have some great Premier League topics for this week. Brent, uh, where do I begin? You there, should probably start at the beginning. There's someone at the top of the table that you might be like, hmm, what are they doing there? How about near the top of the table, not at the top of the Sorry, table? Sorry, towards the top of the there table. There you go. My bad. It is your bad. Anyway, that team being Brighton and, and Hove, Hove Albion. Albion. Yes. <laughs> Don't forget the and Hove Albion because it is very important to the team's identity at the American Express Stadium. <laughs> You're for a great point. <laughs> yeah. But yes, Brent, the Seagulls are soaring to uh, fourth place in the Premier League behind Chelsea, Liverpool, and Year United. Now, I will say, Jake, and you know this. I said from day one, watch out for Brighton. They are going to be top of the table possible Premier League title contenders. You did not. I did not. <laughs> but if I had, you would have been very impressed by the start they Blown had. away, frankly, yeah. yeah. However, that being said, Jake, they have had some recent successes. Four wins, no draws, and one loss. That loss being against Everton. But they have beaten the likes of Leicester, which is a very, very solid victory for them. Sure. And I guess, Jake, as they sit in fourth place, I guess the question just begs, can they stay in the top half going forward? They have a tough next five games coming up if you wouldn't mind running through them. Sure, they have Crystal Palace away, Arsenal home, Norwich away, Man City home, and Liverpool away. Sounds tough towards that latter stretch. Yikes. Yeah, Brent, uh, you mentioned they beat Leicester, but their other victories came against Burnley, Watford, and Brentford. Uh, two newly promoted sides, one side in Burnley, who we raised the question last week, maybe battling rele relegation this season. They're certainly having a slow start. They're part of our slow starters crew. They were. Uh, Leicester were also part of that slow starters. They were. Um, although, obviously, a team that's finished top eight, 
the past couple seasons. Um, and then they lost to Everton, who were in slightly better form than they are now. Uh, but yes, a, a good start against maybe some weaker opposition than obviously they're going to be facing. Um, Arsenal, Man City, and Liverpool going to be tough games. Um, fortunately, they're facing Arsenal at home, and an uh, Arsenal side that has seen some uh, slow starts. They sure have. Um, but slowly regaining form, and I would not be surprised if Brighton did not come away with any points from that fixture. No, and you're not wrong, Jake. I wouldn't be surprised if they drop at least nine points through these next few fixtures, personally. A loss to Man City, a loss to Liverpool, and possibly, if things go well, you know, they draw against Arsenal, get a tie out of it, get a point. But I could see them losing one of those games, Crystal Palace, Arsenal, or possibly Norwich, but doubtful. Crystal Palace, keeping in mind that they did have a Excellent showing against Tottenham uh, just a week ago uh, in their 3-1 victory again. You know, a little relative, but Crystal Palace, a team that could do damage against Brighton. Arsenal, a team that is picking up form, could possibly pull out a win there. And Norwich, I don't expect a lot from, but you never know in the Premier League. So I, I at least personally expect him to drop at least nine points through their next five games. And because of that, I don't think they're going to be able to stay in the top half of the table going forward. Brent, I definitely agree with that. Um, as we like to say, early days. It is. It is. And we saw last season, um, it was Everton, top of the table uh, through September, which was the first month of games yep. because of COVID, uh, ended up 10th place. Right. So I think Brighton are going to see a similar, if not worse, drop-off. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of been surprising to see them get these early results. Uh, Brighton didn't really make many changes. They did not. During the summer. Um, a team that's, you know, pretty famous for uh, under scoring based on their XG. Oh, of course, the XG Your stat, favorite the statistic. Very, the very important XG stat. Um, but now living up to it mm-hmm. and actually converting those chances which had gone by. Uh, previously, so if they keep that up, I, I see them getting wins against Palace and Norwich. Obviously, both away games makes it a little that is tougher. Tough. Yeah. Um, if they don't pick up the wins in both those games, then I don't see them getting more than maybe six points, maybe sure. five. Yeah. Um, during that next stretch of five games, so uh, they could drop off real quick. Obviously, we'll revisit this um, in a couple of weeks, and yeah. I think we're going to be right. I tend to think so, but for the story of the Premier League season, I would love if they picked up I don't know, 10 points from these mm-hmm. next five games just to keep them in that kind of top four, top six, even top eight contention. I just think would make the Premier League more exciting to have one of those kind of Cinderella story teams. Graham Potter is a solid coach. He has been developing the team very well, progressing each season, it seems, and I guess my running theory is the last two seasons in the Premier League, you tend to perform as a mid-level team if you can make it that long because of the funding that comes into the team. Presumably, if you're doing that well, you don't rotate a manager and you can get an identity and players that fit into a system. And it seems like Brighton are finally starting to hit that. They're starting to click, I guess, is the best way that I can put it. And so not necessarily going to be a top half of the table team, but it seems like they're going to be a solid Premier League team for the next few seasons. And Brett, you mentioned a theory. Well, there is a conspiracy 
conspiracy theory out there no. that Graham Potter is the reincarnation of Samson from the Bible, and if he doesn't shave his beard, they're going to win the Premier League. Really? So look out for that. Where did you read that? <laughs> if he comes out clean-shaven, it's a guaranteed loss. Really? So the little scruff is going to go a long way for the Seagulls, and yeah. uh, uh, there are some out there that are believers and it sounds like maybe you're one of them. And think that bearded Graham Potter uh, is going to lead them to the promised land, not to confuse our Moses and Samson analogies. But Thank you. Uh, moving on to, you know, the main fixture. The main course. The main course. Of the week. That was appetite. So we went yeah, over this. Before. Exactly. <laughs> it's, oh, I'm hungry. Still. That was like a shareable, though. You know? Yeah. We got to enjoy that together. Uh, moving on to the main course of today's episode, we're looking forward to Chelsea versus City. Which, uh, in a match week that contains the North London Derby, this is still far and away the, the game of the week. It is, especially with Arsenal underperforming and Tottenham struggling to score goals. Uh, it Certainly, the North, North London Derby has the makings of a game that might underwhelm. Sure. I guess is the best way to put it. I hope it's not the case. But, that being said, Chelsea versus City, while it may be low scoring because of Chelsea's defensive record... And because City are a very solid team, you know, you hope for an exciting match with mm-hmm. a lot of goals, but Absolutely. you never know how it's going to turn out. I guess what it comes down to for me, Jake, is does Tuchel still have Pep's number? They have won their last three, Chelsea have against Man City. It seems like Tuchel has the winning recipe against Pep Guardiola's team. Pep Guardiola's team, Man City, also missing a key number nine. They're still scoring plenty of goals, but they don't necessarily have that Sergio Aguero figure up front. And it makes me wonder if that counterattacking, when they're defending five at the back style, especially with a player like N'Golo Conte coming back, do City have enough to beat Chelsea? And Brent, I believe you're referring to, obviously, Chelsea's victory over City in the Champions League final yes. the previous season. The FA Cup. Uh, and I believe their last three meetings overall in yep. all competitions. Um, so do we see more of that this weekend? I think so. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Chelsea have put together a team that can beat anyone. Um, I think I kind of predicted earlier that they would fall turn the Champions League at some point this season. But I think in the Premier League, I think they're going to have a win over every single team um, by season's end. And that's going to lead to them probably uh, taking the crown. Um, so I think we're going to see a little taster of that this weekend. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, N'Golo Conte uh, coming back, he entered the game at halftime against Tottenham this previous weekend. Um, in a game that was really going Tottenham's way in the first half. Mm-hmm. They had the majority of the chances. They looked like they are actually that attacking Tottenham team of the past. Um, but the one sub-change, which somewhat sem- seemed a little defensive, taking off Mason Mount for N'Golo Conte, really changed the course of the game. I think he's going to have a similar effect if he starts against City. Um, and Brent, I believe that is our player to watch on the Chelsea side of things for this weekend. Yeah, it is. We we listed a few for each team. Granted, we both agree City need the result more. Going to the bridge, City could use a victory. They're only sitting at 10 points as it stands. They do have that loss to Tottenham on their resume and a draw against Southampton. However, the key player, we agree, is Conte for Chelsea. and And purely in the sense that he 
allows their team to be more progressive and more aggressive mm-hmm. and attack and specifically in their counterattack, knowing that they can commit men forward both in terms of the outside backs, whether it be Alonzo and James, or maybe we even see Chilwell for his defensive prowess and crossing ability. But N'Golo Conte unlocks the midfield for Chelsea to be able to push forward with more numbers because he is a cleanup man. And so we saw that against Tottenham, like you said, at the weekend. Uh, you know, it's it's a halftime change that I agree looks negative, but I think also concerning was the fact that Nuno didn't make any changes to respond. It was clear that Chelsea had started to take over when Conte came right. on, and, and there were no changes made proactively from Nuno's end that I think somebody like Pep might change. However, still that being said, you know, obviously City have amazing players, but with how solid Chelsea's defense and goalkeeping is, I think it's a player like Conte that allows them to be more progressive going forward, that allows them to take more chances going forward, that should help a player like Romelu Lukaku to convert a few counterattacking goals, which is nothing against Chelsea. That's just the way that they're playing. And I know that they're at home, so they might not necessarily be as defensive mm-hmm. because the you know fans will obviously cheer them on. It's a home game. You want more attack from your team. But it's also against Man City, who like to possess the ball, who will take their time on the ball. And, and again, it just comes back to Conte being that player that can give them the spark they need from midfield. Brent, I completely agree. Uh, but looking on the other side of the ball, we have a Manchester City team that is obviously full of stars, uh, whether it's the creative players in De Bruyne and Jack Grealish in the midfield or the fleet of foot Foden, who... Nice. Yeah. That was a good alliteration. Who, who drifts all over the pitch, and then you have Sterling and whoever else starts up there, either Mares or mm-hmm. Ferran Torres. Uh, or Gabriel you, Jesus, who's been starting on the right wing. Absolutely. You could pick anyone in mm-hmm. this starting 11 for City to be a key uh, player to watch. But we decided on someone a little different. The goalkeeper Ederson, uh, a team like City who is a possession-based team going against a Chelsea team who is very stout defensively, is not going to give up a lot of goals and maybe sits back a little bit and will counter against an, a City team that likes to hold the ball. You might find City you know, on edge with a one-on-one on their goalie, and Ederson needs to step up and make those plays when he's called upon. Um, and what do you think? Is going to happen this weekend in regards to their goalkeeping. Well, I think the thing with Ederson is he's obviously a great goalkeeper, or you know, arguably Brazil's number one in contention with Alisson. But yeah. Ederson is also a little error prone from time to time, uh, whether it be throwing the ball away in a bad situation, whether it be taking a chance um, with his feet. And I think what it comes down to is Ederson's ability to organize the defense vocally to keep track of the many Chelsea counterattacking options as City press forward in their possession, as well as just his general saving ability against a striker like Lukaku uh, and the attacking prowess that also comes with Ziyech and Mason Mount. And I think Ederson is the key from a leadership standpoint, not that they don't have amazing leadership with John Stones, uh, Ruben Diaz. You know, they, they have plenty of options at the back that can galvanize them. But I think it's Ederson that is the key to them winning or at least getting a draw out of this game because he will be asked to make some big saves throughout the game and he will be asked to organize the defense coming 
back against the counterattack. And I think those two things combined make him the most important player for City, despite their attacking prowess, I guess is the best way that I would put it. Yeah, um, you know, not your first thought when you think of a key player from Manchester City. Um, But I think this weekend, I think he's going to really have to step up. Brent, one statistic for you, and then one quick question before we move on to our betting segment. Uh, Chelsea have not conceded a goal from open play this season in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. Does that change this weekend? I think it does. Okay. Um, I don't think they keep their clean sheet streak going as well. Um, I think City are too... I guess the things they not only do they have too much attacking prowess, I think the way that they play against a low block Chelsea team, the ability to move the ball quickly from side to side unlocks defenses in general. And so having a quick ball back to someone like Gundawan or De Bruyne, having the other central midfielder making a deep run, the amount of movement they need. People have criticized City for not signing a number nine, but the reality is the way that they play they don't necessarily need it. They have that creative sure. false nine that drops in to allow runs from other players. And you have players like Kevin De Bruyne, like Gundogan, like Jack Grealish that can find space for other teammates. And I don't think Chelsea, while they do have an astute defense, and I wouldn't be surprised if they kept a clean sheet because they are so solid defensively, I think that clean sheet comes down to more Ed Mendy saves than it does a lack of opportunities for City. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we're going to move right along to our weekly bets. Okay. And Brent, we have some surprise odds that we found. We often find some surprises, excuse me, surprises. Nice. In our weekly bets. And Jake, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just go right into okay, it. Okay, please, yeah. Newcastle to beat Watford, plus 210. This is a Newcastle team that has not won all season, mind you. So yeah, I, and you predicted not to win in their first 10 correct. games. Correct. I understand the odds makers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a Watford team, you know, newly promoted, obviously came off a victory last weekend, but uh, suffered a loss the midweek in yeah. the Carabao Cup to Stoke City, 3-1. to one. So, I don't know. Uh, we just kind of had a feeling about it. Well, and on top of that, while, yes, they are still missing Callum Wilson, Newcastle are, Alan St. Maximin, again, this past weekend, showed his class, showed what he can offer to the team going forward. And I know, at least in the Manchester United game against Newcastle, Joel Linton looked very dangerous, and he continued to this past weekend. He is creating chances. Miguel Almiron has been dangerous on the counterattack as well, beating players on the dribble, and... It just seems like one of those situations where Watford are coming off a very solid result. Sure. And are coming off a midweek game in the Carabao Cup. And it just seems primed for a team like Newcastle to come in and beat Watford, especially at a plus 210 odds. I mean, it seems free money, doesn't it? It's too good to pass up. It's too good to pass up. Um, So lock that in. If you trust us, I trust us. I do. We did well this past week. We, we've done well these past couple weeks. Yeah. Um, overall, I would say we're definitely net positive. Yeah. Um, so I expect this to go in another win column for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brent, moving on to our game pick of the week, we were looking at the Norwich versus Everton matchup. We were. An Everton team who is a little banged up. They are, uh, especially in their forward line. No Richarlison, no DCL. Yep. 
Pickford's going to be out. Yeah. Um, Seamus Coleman as well. You know, but they don't have any depth. That's the they problem. don't have a lot of depth. That's they have a very solid starting eleven. Sure, it's those secondary teams that pose some questions. Right, if their starting eleven starts full fitness every single week in the Premier League, they're a top eight team hands down. Especially their midfield. Especially. I mean, it's just dominant. Um, but that's not going to happen, and it's not going to happen this weekend. So we have Norwich or draw. Yep. Against this weakened Everton team at plus 148. The fact that you can get two out of the three outcomes combined together and still have a plus odds, rare, unless it's uh, you know a top six team versus a relegation well, team. Well, I think that's the thing is we were talking about earlier. It's probably going to be a front three of Andros Townsend, Damari Gray. And then take your pick. Take your pick. <laughs> yeah, and so probably Rondon. Yeah, that that's probably mm. the forward that they go with. Right. And so You cannot forget about Rondon. Solomon Rondon, yeah. <laughs> but I guess although Norwich is a newly promoted team that has struggled, sure. Timu Puki, we do know from seasons prior, is a solid Premier League goal scorer. Right. We do know that they have a general core of Premier League experience. And while Allen and DeCorey are great at controlling the midfield, you know, they're not... I mean, DeCorey has been great so far this season, don't get me wrong, but they're not necessarily attacking midfielders. They don't offer so much going forward. They're very much possession-based, controlling, destroying midfielders. So it seems a good pick to have those double odds, essentially, for a plus 148. And, Brent, you mentioned Timipuki, but you failed to mention... Not the flying tomato, but the running and diving and heading and scoring tomato. Nice. Josh, Josh Sargent. Sargent. Yeah, the American. Um, who we've gotten a lot of requests on TikTok to do a really? player pick for. Yeah. Um, it seems too easy. Though. It is. It would be yeah, way too it'd easy. Be way It'd be too. my That's second guess I, on yeah. Norwich. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, but yeah, look for him to maybe get another start up top with Pookie. Uh, he did so, I want to say last week or maybe in the midweek, and did yeah. well. He's a great shadow striker at the end of the day. You know, he's not a great finisher, but right. a lot of pressing, a lot of runs off the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his best role. It's that American tenacity. That's what That's it is. That's what it is. Yeah, it's the grit, the American grit. You don't. You can't teach that. Yeah. I uh, am the dude, you know. Well, Brent, <laughs> from that, moving on to our player pick of the week. We're looking at the Leeds game. Patrick Bamford, usually the goal scorer, he is. has scored in his last couple games that he's played in. But this time, we're taking a little different approach to this. We're doing Patrick Bamford to assist in this game, plus 600. First off, can I just say, those are absolutely flying odds. Plus 600 for a player that last season provided goals and assists for his team. Against a West Ham team who have conceded a lot this season so far, um, which they've backed it up with goal scoring of their own. So look for this to be a high scoring tilt. But Bamford to, I think Leeds are going to score at least two. You would hope so. So I would say Bamford assists on at least one of those goals at plus 600. It seems too good to be true. Put your money on it, plus 600. Well, we're doing it. We're putting our money on it. And the thing is, Bamford, as you pointed out before the podcast started, he is not only a goal-scoring player. He's their forward, you know, in England, number three, choice mm-hmm. striker. 
He's also that target number nine that plays back to the goal and is there to receive a ball off a long ball and lay off to other players. So that's, sure. that's part of his role. And you could see players like Rafinha, Dan James, running off of him going forward against a presumably progressive with a fresh Antonio, uh, you know, progressive West Ham team. There's going to be some space on the counterattack, and that is where leads thrive. And, and I could see Bamford getting that apple. Jake? Oh, get that apple. Yeah. Um, well, Brent, that means we only have one bet left, and it's our... Is it our parlay? It's our pirate bet. Oh, the pirate's code. Parlay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get it. I do. Um, and we draw our attention to the North London Derby. NLD. The NLD. Uh, it's going to be Tottenham versus Arsenal, two teams that have kind of reverse form on the season, if sure. you will. Um, Tottenham coming into a slump. Arsenal coming right out of a slump. Uh, we have picked two actions in this game to parlay together. One, both teams to score. Yep. And two, Tottenham over four and a half corners. Well, I think we saw with Arsenal, especially against Norwich, they can get a garbage time goal if all else. You sure. know, just a off-the-post rebound deflection against a Tottenham defense who was stout to start struggled recently sure. and it seems plausible that both teams should score in this game with the counter-attacking prowess of Tottenham against the counter-attacking prowess of Arsenal the two I mean it's it's a harmony you know it's it's a perfect medium where at least there's one goal per team and Tottenham's odds specifically on over four and a half goals I believe were at plus corners or I'm sorry at, at corners were at plus 105, 112. Yeah, on, on its own, it was a plus. Yeah. And it seemed a good thing to combine to get you plus 285. It seems free money. That's that's what it does. And Brent, uh, when speaking of garbage time goals, there is no one like Tottenham to concede them. Well, that's true. <laughs> a team that has given up three goals in their last two games to Chelsea and Crystal Palace. Yep. And an Arsenal team who, against any formidable opposition gives up goals. <laughs> Let alone Son, Kane, sure. and take your pick of a right winger. Right. Uh, a duo that has wreaked havoc on an Arsenal defense in the past years. It's true. So, and uh, Kane's due a goal. He, right well, he hasn't scored in the Premier League yet. Like he's due a goal. Um, so look out for both teams to score in the North London Derby and Tottenham. Over four and a half corners. That's yeah, just five. Just five just corners is five corners. Five counterattacks is the way to look at it. My thinking on this is that coming off of that Chelsea defeat, obviously something had changed in the second half where they kind of switched off. I think corrections are made. Mm-hmm. Uh, you always show up for a big derby game, big rivalry, the biggest rivalry that we have as Tottenham. Um, and I think... They have that attacking prowess where they, you know, are on that side of the field a lot and earn themselves at least five corners. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly hope so because that would mean excitement in the game. Also mean money in our pocket because we are backing this plus two sixty five parlay. Yeah, I love it. I'm very excited. I think the bets are good. They're all in the positives. We haven't put a negative bet on there. Sure. Which we never do, but we haven't done it this time either. You know. Right. Um. I would. Only say we 
would go for like a negative bet if it was something that was like sure thing, right? Like a Liverpool versus Watford. If Liverpool was like minus one ten, right? You know, you got to put money on that. You got sure. You got But but here we are. Here we are. Not the case with with some good odds, with some good bets, with some good whiskey that is empty, with some good complimentary drinks that are also empty, a nice Kirkland IPA. <laughs> If you will, I walked in today and I said, Brent, you know what I've been craving all week? A Kirkland, a Kirkland IPA. IPA. And yeah. boy, did I not Here mean you it, are. but it is still refreshing. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's a screaming deal. You know, you get bang for your buck. And I guess, Jake, for the only Premier League podcast with a dress code. That dress code being appropriately wearing jammies now that is sub 60 degrees most days true you can wear whatever you want this might be a good opportunity for the capri pajamas we were talking about where it's or the ripoff ones where you have the choices because you know it's like 50 in the morning and then it gets up to 60 70s during the day yeah you want to rip those things off and you got those actual pejorts malleable pajamas absolutely i get it um well brent uh We've had a great little session here, and can't wait to record some TikToks with you. Oh, yeah. Um, Make sure to check that out, because we're getting a lot of love on our TikTok right mm-hmm. now. Uh, recommend any players you'd like us to do, like us to guess uh, in 30 seconds. Uh, but yeah, that's all we got. We'll see you next time. Uh-oh.